It's nine o'clock across the UK. We are now the opposition party to Labour in most of the north of England. And what they've tried to do is to put out this myth that UKIP wants to privatise the National Health Service. UKIP wants to maintain the National Health Service and absolutely insists that it remains free at the point of delivery. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC. This is Phone Farage. UKIP leader Nigel Farage takes your calls with Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Call 0345 973. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. This is Phone Farage with Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Only on LBC. It's nine o'clock on this historic day, Friday the 10th of October. That means it's time for Phone Farage with me, Nigel Farage, here on LBC Live from the constituency office of our first UKIP MP, Douglas Carswell in Clacton. I'm taking your questions for the next half hour or so, so if you want to get involved, here's how you do it. Call me on 0345 6060973 or email me at .co.uk. And don't forget, you can also watch Phone Farage on our website, lbc.co.uk. So, straight to the first call, and it's Paul from Forest Hill. Good morning. Oh, good morning, and uh, well done. Thank you. On the, on, on the first one. Um, uh, my, my, my question is this, what is that you're going to be doing about the EU? Because I think we have a serious problem for all what's going on over here and I think that's the cause of what's happening so I'd like to know what you're going to be doing about that. Well Paul I think you know you've you really with sort of rather classic English understatedness um, said we have a problem with the EU it's a bit more than a problem we've given away our country uh, we don't make our own laws anymore I mean just yesterday we saw the British government going to Westminster and on bended knee saying please sir can we open a nuclear power station at Hinkley Point? I mean, it's extraordinary the extent to which we're governed from elsewhere. And of course, Paul, uh, you know, the biggest impact uh, that's been felt, uh, particularly since, ten, since 2004, uh, we've now let 10 former communist countries, very poor countries, join the European Union with total rights of free movement, with access to our healthcare systems, with access to our education systems. And I think the penny is beginning to drop that you cannot control immigration, you cannot decide who comes to live, work and settle in this country, all the while you're members of the European Union. So, you know, what we see is we want a relationship with Europe that is based on trade, is based on cooperation, is based on being good neighbours, is based on having sensible reciprocal deals, but we do not want membership of a political union, we don't want that flag, we don't want that anthem, we don't want a list of European presidents whose names nobody's ever heard of, we want to govern our own country and control our own borders. And UKIP is the only party in British politics saying that, and the only party that can offer a solution to the immigration crisis, which is now the number one issue in this country today. What do you think, Paul? Um, well, I think it's, it's going to be an absolute great big task to do because you've got not a lot of people saying much about it in the, in the government itself because they're too scared to actually say anything because I think it'd be they think it'd be classed as racist, which in the day, there's no racist involved in this situation. We have a problem and we've got to deal with it and it's the likes of yourself who have got the 
initiative to actually stand up and say something about something that's actually true. It's a shame that people keep putting the race card involved in everything all the time. And yeah. the fact is, yes, I understand my point of view is my, I understand that you've got some people in your uh, establishment that are not too right on the left side, you know what I mean? In, in the way of they're not, they're, they're too much of BNP and all that. But no, the fact is no, Paul. I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to stop you there, um, and make this very simple point to you: that UKIP is the only party in British politics who forbid former members of the BNP from even becoming a member, let alone a representative of our party. And you can look at the other parties; they've all got former BNP people. In fact, the Labour Party um, actually has some councillors in the north of England who were formerly BNP councillors. So we have no truck with that at all. But back to your original point about the problem. I'll tell you what the real problem is. The problem is not the European Union. The problem is our political class in Westminster, the Lib Lab Con all of whom are signed up to us being members of a political union which now makes 75% of our laws, costs us £55 million a day as a membership fee and means we cannot control our borders. And I think that's why uh, people from across the spectrum are beginning to vote UKIP in larger and larger numbers. We won our first MP last night here with Douglas Carswell in Clacton and we came within a whisker of winning a seat just 600 votes short um, up in Greater Rochdale in the Haywood and Middleton uh, constituency. And Nigel, you're, you're, you're in Clacton and I'm in London and just and yeah. I will say congratulations to you because I know how Thank hard you. you have worked and your team there uh, and well done. And I know how hard the team worked uh, up at the other constituency. Short by in Haywood and Middleton, 617 votes. Why did you not quite get the breakthrough, Nigel Farage? I'll tell you why we didn't quite get the breakthrough. Because there were too many people who still stuck with the Conservative Party. Uh, they believe the rubbish uh, that is spewed out by uh, that excuse for a party chairman called Grant Shapps, who goes on every form of media, uh, including your programme, and says to people that if you vote UKIP, you will get a Labour government. And actually what we saw last night in Haywood and Middleton, and what is true now for half the country, is actually where UKIP are now the challenges to the Labour Party. If you vote Conservative, you will get Labour. So we didn't manage to get enough Conservatives to switch to us to, uh, to defeat Labour. But hey, come on, this was one of the shortest by-election campaigns ever. Do you know, the Labour Party actually moved the writ even before the Labour MP's funeral, Jim Dobbin, had taken place. And they did that because one of the unspoken truths of British politics is the Labour Party now are absolutely terrified of the UKIP vote. All right, let's go to other callers. Uh, Mr Raj, Charlie in Hampstead is through to you. Go ahead, Charlie. Hi, Mr Farage. Um, thank you for taking this call. I'm phoning up because I'm a white woman um, living with HIV. I've lived with HIV now for over 20 years. I'm very concerned about what UKIP is saying. Um, uh, this drain on the national health system. I don't believe that I am a drain on the national health system. I have been treated now for HIV. I'm extremely non-contagious. I've never taken drugs intravenously. I've always had monogamous relationships. I am not a threat to anyone. I have uh, my, my virus is suppressed and uh, I can also have uh, sexual relationships and there's a minimal, minimal chance of passing it on, although I'm very safe. And this is, of course, your interview. Stay on the line, Charlie, with Newsweek Europe, which has been reported in the papers today, Mr Farage, in which you said that people who have HIV should, to be frank, not be allowed into the country. 
well, that was one little snippet that was taken out of it. Well, I mean, it's still in there, uh, Mr. Farage. Um, Charlie, I, you know, you, you are um, a British citizen being treated uh, with drugs for an illness, and it's a good thing uh, that we've got the money and the resources to treat you. Uh, but if we turn the National Health Service, and, and you know, the clue's in the name, it's designed for this country. If we turn a national health service into a global health service, we have a severe problem with resources. And just in the last year, we've had some leading cancer experts saying, look, we cannot go on providing cancer services to people from outside the United Kingdom. And this all comes in a broader context. What I was saying in that interview, and one little piece of it's been picked out, what I was saying is this. We need an immigration policy where we decide the quantity and the quality of those people that come to work, settle and live in our country. And just like Australia, America, in fact virtually every other country in the world, we want a good immigration policy that says we want people with talent, we want people with trade, we want people with skills, but we don't want people who've got criminal records and we can't afford to take people who've got serious illnesses or life-threatening diseases. And, and that actually is the immigration policy that nearly, nearly the whole of the rest of the world pursues, and I don't actually see anything well, it's controversial not, it's in not it quite whatsoever. Right, Mr. Mr. Farage, you can go I ahead, Charlie. Charlie, you go ahead. Can I interrupt? Um, the cost of people dying over a lengthy period without any treatment is far outweighs anyone who gets put on treatment and is stabilised. Not not only that, but it actually stems the flow of infection. The, the fact that you relate Ebola to HIV, which is something that has evolved so dramatically over the last 20 odd years, or, although I do think that the majority of the public are not informed of that, is something that, I'm, that you're negligible about, that how you can equate the two together is, is, is you're ramping up the fear and it feels like what, what? you're doing is you're playing, you are playing the race card. I think we have to look I at the lot of, if, if you wanted to look at the way that the National Health Service spends their money, what we should be con concentrating on is normalising screening for HIV. Absolutely okay, normalising. Let, what you do let, here, hear, can I just, can I just, in a just sentence, my point? I, yes, indeed, Charlie, but I must let Mr. Raj respond. In a sentence, Charlie, Charlie. if you would. Just a wrap-up sentence, Charlie. Ramping up the fear makes people hide. All right, okay. okay. Now, you've not gone, but we must let Mr. Farage respond. Nigel Farage. Yeah. I'm sorry, Charlie. I, you, you know, you're talking about two clean different things. Yes, you, you are. Talking no, about, you were talking up. about how the National Health it Service quite. should operate and what it should do. And I was talking about the National Health Service being for British people, and that if we open up the National Health Service to unlimited numbers of people from Europe and the rest of the world, there'll be fewer resources to treat people like you. I with you. I think that you are playing a race card. I think that you are, uh, you are homing in on black people and I think what you need to realise is actually this is not a black disease, okay? We need to so, really I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Th th this really isn't good enough. You mentioned Ebola. I haven't mentioned Ebola. One of the biggest problems that we have... I'm talking with about HIV and the way that you link the two together is, is, and you're ramping up no, fear. No, 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 I'm sorry. This is ridiculous. I haven't it's mentioned Ebola. not ridiculous. Ebola. I'm living with it and well, I, know I, how, is, I know how this affects people. What I will say to you is people. that tuberculosis, tuberculosis now is costing the National Health Service a very great deal of money and much of that is coming from southern and eastern Europe. Okay, the National Health Service is for British people and for families who in many cases have actually paid into this system for generations. We move on to other calls. Nick is, Charlie, thank you. Nick is in Thurrock. Nicky, you're on the radio. Go ahead. 
Good morning. Hi. Uh, I'm a Polish immigrant living in Sarok for the past 10 years. All my adult life I've been paying taxes in this country. My question is, what are you planning to do with people like me, honestly working and paying paying back into society? Uh, because as for now, all I can see is hate. Um, I live in South Akinden, where uh, Yukib actually won. And... Uh, Sorry to say, but uh, the people who have been uh, voting for UKIP seem to be um, unemployed people on job seeker allowance. Um, and um, I actually received the hate from few people okay. uh, saying that I'm S taking their job. Stay on the line, Nikki. Let's get to the main well, I mean, first things first. Nigel Farage. First things first, Nikki. I mean, anybody that has entered the country legally... Uh, we wouldn't even <laughs> endeavour or attempt in any way to change that deal. But I'm interested in what you said about you working and paying into the system. Um, I mean, can you give me a rough idea of how much you earn a year? Um, well, does it really matter? I'm paying yeah, all the matter. Uh, I'm supposed to. You know, it uh, does all matter. my adult life. Right. Listen, yeah. I came here... Okay, when no, I was... no, Nikki, I have got your line, but you were asked a well, question, you declined to answer it. Back to Nigel yeah. Farage, Mr Farage. Well, Nikki, let, let me just explain something. Um, if people come to Britain to work from overseas and they're on low pay or relatively low pay, they qualify automatically, not for out-of-work benefits, obviously, but for a whole range of in-work benefits. Um, and one of the points we're making, and it really goes back to the previous caller about the National Health Service. Similarly, the benefit system, whether it's child benefit, whether it's working tax credits or whatever it is, the benefit system should be there for British people and should not be extended, you know, to southern and eastern Europe. That's that's but, the simple point. But Nikki's uh, main point, making. Mr Farage, how, I think, to paraphrase, how safe is she? She seems to have a concern. Well, I've made the point. No, I've made the point that anybody that came to Britain legally, whether we thought that was wise or not, but anybody that came to Britain legally need not fear anything. But hereafter, hereafter, you know, if people come to Britain from overseas to work, you know, they will, uh, we do not believe they should qualify automatically for a whole range of in-work benefits. And there is a knock-on problem with this, and that is that we've had for much of the last decade quite a large oversupply um, of labour, particularly in the unskilled labour market. And what that has done, it has led to wage compression. It has driven down the wages of millions of people. And that's one of the great unhappinesses. And, and Nikki says in Tharrock it's unemployed people voting UKIP. I can tell you that in, that in, that in Hayward and Middleton, the big lump of our vote yesterday came from people who were in work and are seeing their take-home pay no higher than it was ten years ago. It's a real problem right through British society. You've got a one-sentence response, Nikki. I'm sorry to be so tough on you, but we must get to other calls. Nikki, do you have a quick... Well, I understand. Thank okay. you. All right, Nikki, thank, thank you. you. Thank Leslie you. and Mill Hill, you're through to Nigel Farage. Leslie, go ahead. Hi, hi Nigel. Um, I you? tried to vote for UKIP at the local council elections in May, and there was no UKIP candidate to vote for, and that was in the Barnet Council. Right, and you wanted to vote UKIP, did you? Yes, and, there, and yes, I wanted to, and there right. was no candidate. Right, well, there's a very, very simple solution to this. The next time there's an election in Mill Hill, uh, provided you're a good person who's never been a member of an extremist party, and you won't cause us any embarrassment, if you stood as our candidate, not only would the rest of the people have someone to vote for, but you would too. And that's the point about this. This, this party is a, grassroots, it's a grassroots volunteer party, and we need all the help we can get. She just says so she, doesn't know she, she doesn't know she's tough enough, Nigel Farage, is how she responded to that. Well, um, <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> you're right, actually. In, in 
one way, Leslie, you're right, because, uh, you know, if you stand in politics, you do get a bit of stick, that's true. <laughs> Can I ask you, Mr Farage, I trust you had a celebratory drink with Mr Carswell last night? This is true, yes. And were you drinking, I mean, you didn't get the result until two-something or other. How much sleep have you had, Mr Farage? Um, I don't think that's very relevant, Nick. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm not a great believer in sleep. Did, did, you, too sh did you celebrate with British beer or a French red? No, actually, it was British beer. There was a pub, uh, that, 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 a UKIP-supporting pub, that kept itself open, and I'm not sure what time we left, about quarter to five, something like that. Which is why I may be sounding a tad croaky, but I'm doing my best to pretend that I'm OK. You're doing a fine job. Through the calls, the next one, on we go. Kaylee is in Feltham. You're through to Nigel Farage. Go ahead, Kaylee. Hello. Um, Good morning. Uh, first of all, I'd like not to say congratulations, because I think it's a sad day that somebody, um, like your, your, um, uh, um, party has got in. Unfortunately, I think that a lot more people are going to vote for UKIP. Unfortunately, I think people are protest votes. And I just think that if you ever did get in as a party, it would be a very, 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 very sad occasion. Because I think you don't have stand for any more policies. I think you don't have any poor policies apart from um, getting people out. What that, policy uh, do you want to hear, Kayleigh? This is Nick Ferrari. Give, give Nigel Ferrari. Just ask him a policy about anything you like. Anything. Um, I'd like to know what you stand on for. These scroungers that are English have been bought, they've been born here and they have never worked. What, what would you do okay. for them? Right. Because we have a lot of English okay. scroungers. I'm pretty certain he's got an answer. Stay right. there, well, Kayleigh. What would you do about British born scroungers? Right. There's, there's, there's three things there I want to quickly answer if I can, Kayleigh. Number one, you think it's a sad day. That's fine. It's democracy. You know, we, we, we should vote for parties that we believe in, or not vote for parties, and that's fine. So the fact you don't like it, well, that's how it works in our system. Second thing you said was that it's a protest vote. Now, let me just explain this to you. The one thing that it is not is a protest vote. When you actually interview UKIP voters, fewer than 10% of them say they're voting as a protest. The vast majority of UKIP voters vote for us because they believe in what we stand for and they think we're the only people that can bring change. And that's what people want in politics. They want genuine change. Lastly, you talked about policies. Well, of course, we have a broad, broad range of policies. Um, and you use the word scroungers. Well, there are some scroungers uh, in our country, and that's absolutely true. But there are also people um, who, who are trapped by the welfare state and taxation system in this country. And that is why one of our flagship policies heading into the general election will be that nobody that is earning the minimum wage should pay income tax. We've got to incentivise people to get off benefits and to get back to work. I accept there are some scroungers within the system, but equally, there are lots of people I meet going around the country desperate to get off benefits, desperate to get back to work, but they find a system that actually conspires against them doing that. Quick response, Kayleigh. Absolutely not. Totally, totally not. There are people in this country that do not want to get off their backside, so quite happily... To, to sit on their backside and take money from from taxpayers who who go to work, whether they're from Poland, whether they're from, and they come over here and they work, they work and they pay tax. And there are English people, British people who have no no who never want to work. They are quite happy to take handouts from. 
the government on and whether it's made by Conservatives or anything. I do understand we have a segment of society who don't want to work. I get that. Uh, but I don't want to lump everyone together that's out of work and call them all scroungers because that, because that would be a mistake. And, and back to a previous point, you say there are people that come here from Eastern Europe and work and pay tax. Yes, but if they're here on minimum wage and if they've got kids that are still back in Warsaw, they're also claiming a large range of in-work benefits. And if you balance one against the other, you find actually that is not a net benefit to the British economy. Time for some emails. Joyce in West Wickham. I used to work in Rochester. I know a lot about that area. Two questions for Nigel Farage. One, mm. does he think he can win? Two, does he realise how just how diverse the constituency is, ru a rich are rubbing up against poor? Yes and yes is the answer to that. Um, <laughs> you, you know, I mean, do I think we can win? Yes. Um, I'm going to be in Rochester tomorrow supporting Mark Reckless, who's done exactly the same thing as Douglas Carswell did. They didn't defect to UKIP. They joined UKIP and they resigned their seats, something we haven't seen in British politics for decades. They did it as a matter of honour. They did it as a matter of principle. And they did it saying to their constituents, do you support our move? And what we saw yesterday in Clacton were a large number of people saying, Douglas, we commend you. We support your honesty and your bravery. And they went out and voted for him. I believe the same thing will happen uh, with Mark Reckless in Rochester too. Uh, and I'll be in Rochester tomorrow. And the People's Army of UKIP will be in Rochester tomorrow. And I think we've got energy, optimism and enthusiasm um, about this party and its campaign in Rochester and Strood. Uh, your second point, yes, you're absolutely right. Um, there are some very, very poor parts of the Rochester and Strew constituency and some really rather wealthy parts. So, yep, you know, we see, we see all parts of Britain there. Uh, we also see an area um, in which the population has risen really quite sharply over the course of the last few years. And this is one of the other problems, that when you have a population that is expanding as quickly as ours, you know, we have to build, I mean, just think about this, we have to build a new house every seven minutes in this country just to cope with the immigration inflow into Britain every single year. And they are, you know, equally some of the pressures that are being felt in that Rochester and Strood constituency. I think it's going to be a hard fight. Um, I'm, I'm quite certain that the Conservative Party will uh, do everything they can. Um, it's a seat that Labour held for many years. So it's going to be, you know, a qu quite an exciting three-horse race. But I believe we've got, I, I believe we, we've got the momentum to get over the line. Megan Lloyd, if UKIP was in power, what process would be or would have been put in place to prevent Ebola being brought into the UK? Well, I mean, that's, you know, you're asking me there a medical question. Um, I mean, what clearly... About the screening that's going to be introduced? Yeah, clear, clearly, clearly now... Uh, there is there is a huge international scare over this horrendous disease, uh, and I I think probably the government are doing it right. I think probably to check people's temperature as they come off planes probably is the right and the most sensible precaution. They're only going to ask them, of course, Mr. Farage. They're going to say, "How are you feeling?" And I know. Well, they well they they can they, they equally can take temperatures as well, yeah. um, and that probably you think that's what they should be doing. I then? think that would be a wise thing to do. Uh, and the other point I want to make, Nick, about about Ebola is I just cannot believe the the bravery of the doctors and nurses that are going out to treat that um, epidemic, you know, knowing the massive risk uh, that, that they're putting their own lives under. And, uh, and I think the next time we get the, um, uh, the honours list, you know, the New Year's honours or whatever it may be, um, I think they're the kind of people that probably ought to be recognised. Douglas is in Windsor. You're through to Nigel Farage. Go ahead, Douglas.
Uh, good morning, Nigel. Uh, good congratulations morning. to Douglas, but I would say more so well done for the electorate waking up and realise there is some light at the end of this uh, tunnel. My question for you is, how do you feel about all the publicity that the other parties indirectly give you? Because they say, if you vote for UKIP, you're going to wake up with Labour. If you vote for Conservatives, you're going to vote for Labour. If you vote for Lib Dems, you're going to get Conservatives. And each time they say that, to me, it sounds as though they're actually promoting you without realising it. If they were quiet about it, <laughs> no one would say anything. But even Grant Chaps this morning, earlier with uh, Nick, was saying, oh yes, now if you vote for UKIP, you're going to get um, mm. the other party. Mm. And they all say that. And I think that is one of your bub best publicity um, stunts without realising that you're doing anything. You don't well, do stunts, that. Nigel Farage, do you? You, don't do no, no, no. you would never pose with tanks or anything I, like that. I haven't done it for days, honestly. <laughs> oh, um, you go, Nigel. The, um, I think... Um, um, no, I'm pleased to hear you say light at the end of the tunnel, because, again, I repeat this point. Uh, these votes in Clacton and up in Greater Rochdale were not protest votes, they were positive votes, optimistic votes, people wanting, you know, to see genuine change. I have to say, I thought Grant Shapps today was absolutely pathetic. He was saying, please don't vote UKIP, because if you do, Labour might get in, and I accept we're not very good, but they're even worse. I mean, God help us. You know, what on earth is the point going down to the polling station if that's the best that we've got on offer? The message, Douglas, and by the way, what a great Christian name you've got. <laughs> um, the message, Douglas, uh, that comes out from Clacton yesterday, uh, rather than complicating all of this as to what one party's vote may mean for another, the message that came out of Clacton yesterday, loud and clear, is if you vote UKIP, you get UKIP. Other calls, Adam in Colwyn Bay. Go ahead, Adam. Hi, Nigel, you all right? Good morning, I'm fine, thank you. <laughs> good, good. Uh, nearly 110,000 16 and 17 year olds voted in the Scottish referendum, and I'm sure you'll agree with me. It was an historic day, and so was yesterday in, in Clacton. Well done to that. But um, do you think that uh, 16, and 16 and 17 year olds should be entitled to the vote? Well, the reason that 16 and 17-year-olds voted in Scotland, in fact, the reason that I think 86% of people in Scotland voted was because they saw an election where they knew their vote mattered and where they knew the result would fundamentally affect their lives. The problem uh, with general election politics is increasingly voters think, what difference does it make? All we get is the same group of Oxbridge careerists, regardless whether they got a red rosette or a blue rosette. Uh, and anyway, most of our big decisions are now taken in Brussels and elsewhere. Uh, and that's why people are not voting. So I think, you know, when you look at the fact that at the last general election, 60% of 18 to 30-year-olds, uh, 60% of them did not vote. If you extended the vote to 16 and 17-year-olds at the moment, frankly, it wouldn't make any difference. And what I think we need to do is to make general elections matter, and we can only do that by having a sovereign parliament. Only do that by having a parliament that is actually in control of our energy policy, of our employment policy, of our immigration policy, and of our global trade policy. And if we did that, we'd get people of all ages re-engaged in politics. So you would have a vote for 16 and 17-year-olds, would you, Mr. Farage? I, I just don't think it's a priority, Nick. I think, as I say, when 60% of young people are not voting, right. frankly, this is the wrong question to ask at this moment in time. But you wouldn't rule it out? 
I wouldn't rule it out, right. but, it, but, but I certainly don't see it as a priority. Okay. Uh, Simon in Plymouth, how do we keep Latvian murderers out of this country? And I think I we, can say that, by the way. Yes, on you go. Yeah, uh, Simon. Oh, I can read it, yes. Simon, we can't keep Latvian murderers out of this country, and we can't do it because we're members of this wonderful club with that beautiful flag. It's called the European Union, and we do not have the ability to stop foreign murderers coming into Britain. There are 190 countries in the world who would not allow a foreign murderer to come into their country, but we've signed away our rights and we've signed away our borders. How <coughs> so do you put it up, right? How do you put it right, Mr. Farage? You put it right by getting back the control of our own country and the control of our own borders. And, and frankly, there's almost no point debating immigration, debating foreign murderers. There's no, there's no point discussing any of this all the while we stay members of the European Union. And that is why I want us to have a full, free and fair referendum so that we can decide who governs Britain. James is in Crawley. You're through to Nigel Farage. Go ahead, James. Morning, Nigel. Um, Morning. I'm, I'm a, what you call a, a died-in-the-wheel Labour supporter. I lived in, in Rochester and I know Mark Rettless, he's my, he's my local, con well, he was a Conservative. Um, a couple of days ago, I'm what you would, well, I would, I'm what you would call a, a floating voter. So my question is, a couple of days ago, uh, Douglas Carswell, um, he was quoted as saying that he's seen UKIP as being part of Uber politics. It's, it's an Uber kind of party. Now my question is, what is UKIP's stance on companies like Starbucks and Uber and Google eh, with their... Um, for want of a better term, tax evasion policy. All right, just important that I have to well, say legally here, what they do is legally okay. The yeah. moral side may be debated, but I just may make it clear, they are not breaking any laws. James, thank you. Nigel Farage. No, they're not. You're absolutely right, Nick. And, and actually, again, uh, we come back uh, to a European agreement. There is a European agreement that any company based in Europe, and that, and that actually includes Switzerland as well, uh, for these purposes, any company corporation that is trading uh, within this area can choose the jurisdiction in which it pays corporation tax. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of British companies are now headquartered in Dublin, because they have a corporation tax that is 10% lower than ours. Uh, what do I think we should do? Um, I think we should make people uh, who earn profits in this country pay corporation tax in Britain, and I think we should make sure that we have a corporation tax uh, that is competitive uh, you know, with Ireland and everywhere else, uh, to try and get as many companies as we can to headquarter in London and around the rest of the United Kingdom. Uh, when it comes to, uh, and perhaps I shouldn't mention the names, but, but, but there are one or two big uh, brand names, uh, you know, one that sells coffee and one that sells books. Um, and, <laughs> and um, you know, when you look um, at their vast turnover figures, I think there is an argument uh, that we should look at big corporations and think hard about whether introducing a turnover tax might work. I don't know the answer to that, but it's something that we intend to investigate. And before I let you go and get a coffee from that shop, or are there many others available, of course, on the high street, a final question from me, Nigel Farage. Um, how many more defections in the pipeline? Oh, well, I'm not going to tell you is the answer to that. Because, and I thought we were uh, getting on so well. Well, I know, but, uh, but uh, no, I mean, look, you know, when, when Douglas Carswell joined and when Mark Reckless joined, they were complete secrets. You know, they were, they were unveiled like jack-in-the-boxes. Um, and I did that deliberately because I think politics have become so cynical. Everything is pre-leaked and pre-spun. Um, and, and, and I've got a rule 
that if people have confidential conversations with me, mm. um, I keep those conversations as confidential. Have you had but conversations Nick, with Le Sorry, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. But you were going to say that. But, but. but, Nick, let me just say that, that, you know, I have had these conversations with backbench conservatives. I've even had these conversations with some backbench Labour uh, MPs as well. And I would be surprised if there weren't, over the course of the next few months, more defections. From both, How about that? From, that's pretty good, Mr. Farage. From both, si from both, from both sides? <laughs> Uh, well, let's see. Let's see. But, but, you know, don't rule it out. And that result yesterday, you know, we're all looking at Clacton. We're all looking at, you know, the, the, the honourable, in every way, Douglas Carswell, who's won this amazing victory with 60% of the vote. But do not forget that what happened yesterday in Hayward and Middleton was extremely significant. I suggest a large orange juice and a walk along the prom now, Mr. Farage, maybe, to clear the, clear the head a little. What do you think? Uh, well, I'm going to go for a walk along the prom. Um... I don't know, I'm just not really an orange, an orange juice, juice kind of guy. guy. You know? And that closes <laughs> it down. Thank you. I look forward to welcoming you into the studio next time. Nigel Farage, UKIP leader here, taking part, taking part even in Phone Farage on LBC, where news is next.